0: going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of this week in sports it is Friday January 21st 2022 I feel like I should have a I should have a noise for that I feel like I should be I should be on one of these where I do and I cannot believe that oh I don't have the bum boom bum, bum. I I should have that one but anyway Uh, I digress. Welcome. Long week. Not really. We had Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday, so I had the day off. But it's been a long week because started back up with softball practice this week. Excited to get back out there now that the um, second spring semester is finally underway and we're ready to uh, jump back into things with softball. So just got home about an hour ago, had some dinner, uh, and I'm ready to dive right in. And I have to start off today's show by saying how disgusted I am with myself. Because if you flash back a week on Friday, um, I talked about my picks and I picked all six games in a in a parlay. Barstool had this promo, thousand-dollar bonus if you win. And I originally had the 49ers. And I woke up the next day. I literally had it in my bet slip. And I might have even texted it to my brother or my one of my buddies. And that's what I was going to go with. And I woke up and I just start seeing how many, how many people are picking the Niners. And I liked both of these teams. I really did. And I was just wishing that they didn't have to play each other. What did I do? I took the Cowboys. I switched my pick just simply because I said, you know what, everybody? Is on, is on the bandwagon, they're on the 49er bandwagon, okay, the Cowboys are at home, I just said it doesn't sit right with me, let me switch this thing back, and take Cowboys minus three, and I knew, I said this, I knew by doing this, I was taking all six favorites, I went six for six with the home teams, with all favorites, and I said, you know, it's not, it's crazy, but it's not that crazy, and I'm pretty good at picking football, so I knew that these were all picks that I liked, and I hit five out of six. Now, granted, that first game always got to get through that first one, right? And Cincinnati, they gave us, they gave us a doozy. It came right down to the wire. Um, but you know that Cowboy, I, I'm I'm gonna, f- li- you know, live to regret that for probably the rest of my life. I mean, not it's not life changing money, but you know, fifteen hundred dollars. And granted, a thousand would have been site credit, but. I was confident I was going to take that thousand and probably bet it on the Super Bowl and take a spread or something on the Super Bowl game or maybe take an over in one of the whatever I was going to do. I was going to bet it in one shot more than likely. And now I'll never know. Now, luckily, um, I somewhat hedged my bet. I had a $14 free bet um, from a Nets Bulls game recently. And I was like, $14 free. Here we go. I'm making another parlay on DraftKings, and I'm going to play this one a little bit safer. And in that one, I took every favorite minus two and a half. But then with the 49ers, I took the smart uh, decision. Actually, I took Chiefs minus nine and a half and everybody else minus two and a half. And then I took um, the 49ers plus seven and a half. So I turned a free bet into $147 so it wasn't a total loss it's just 1500 sounds a hell of a lot better than $147 Um, so now we go into this week and I don't even have a clue games starting tomorrow at 4 30 Sunday at 3 p.m. so keep an eye be wary of those uh, start times two games on tomorrow two games Sunday and I, I honestly I'm torn. I will give my picks at the latter, the tail end uh, of the show, and I and I'll break down my decision making behind that. But I want to dive right in, and I want to start with the Cowboys game because it was the one that hurt me the most. Okay, so let's jo- jump into that. All right, the Cowboys were came into this game as three point favorites. I think maybe they were as high as three and a half. I got them at three. They're the home team. They're the three seed. They're playing. You know, the six-seeded 49ers, all that good stuff. They're in Jerry World. This feels like their year to make some noise, right? Well, in typical Dallas fashion, they lose this game by six, okay? Um, I was really hoping at the end they would score and then somehow Zerline would miss the extra point because he did miss six uh, extra points in the regular season, so he's not a shoo-in to make that extra point. And then, granted, if it went to overtime, I would have needed the Cowboys to walk it off with a touchdown at the six points. Um but, you know, we, we can't all, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So that it, it ended up not even happening. But that was that's what goes through your mind. You're you're just trying to do the math and figure out what you need to win. That's called, you know, gambling. Uh and you're praying, it's like that 10% chance and whatnot. But I mean, can we not just disgusting that final play call and that 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 whole game was just disgusting if you're a Dallas fan I, I cannot believe that they let that one slip through their fingers it was out of hand really all game but really that the, they were coming back they had a chance um, I will just never understand literally they lost the game because somebody in Dallas okay Kellen Moore maybe they they claim that he calls the plays, then I don't know why Mike McCarthy stands there with that sh- giant-ass uh, play call sheet, that laminated sheet. Uh, it, it's asinine. But this is the play that lost the Cowboys the game, and you can hear, you can hear it. in Tony Romo's voice, just the absolute incredulous, like, he can't even believe, he thinks they're going to have enough time to spike it. And then he realizes, oh my God, they're going to lose. Dallas fans are, are going to be crushed. Listen. Francisco to get to the quarterback here. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. well. They'll be able to clock this. They were playing for it. It's down, down. Oh my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The oh, game's over. Gosh. The game is over. Oh, he did. Oh, they're going to look at this. It's it's going to be over because the umpire has to touch the ball. Of course, that's ridiculous for a game to end like that, Jim. Wow, I am livid if I'm a Cowboy fan and if I'm a Niners fan. That's the fan. end of the game. The yeah. game is over. The game is over and San Francisco... Uh, yeah, that's it. The game is over. They didn't even have to review it. That's how obvious... It was that they didn't get this off, and everybody by now has seen it. Dak runs a quarterback draw, and he runs 10, 15, whatever yards. It was over 10, and he slides down. They get up. Instead of finding the ref and handing the ref the ball because the umpire has to touch the ball before they can snap it, Dak hands it to his center. who Was it Travis Frederick? I don't even know. And they, The umpire has to run in, he runs into Dak, he can't touch the ball in time. By the da- time Dak snaps it, the game is over. Clock hit zero when he spiked it, it was over and done with. Game over. And I will never, never, I will stand here and tell you, for as long as I live, I will never understand that play calling ever, ever. Um, I didn't really get to hear their explanation, Mike McCarthy's explanation or even Kellen Moore or whoever that that was a part of that. And I don't really care to hear their explanation because it means nothing. And excuses are like, you know, a-holes. Everybody has them, okay? And that was, that that was absolutely, it was irresponsible. It was pathetic. It, 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 we're talking about a team of veterans, OK, a- a- and you let this happen. Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl winning head coach. I've never liked him personally, but that's that's neither here nor there. And they let this happen. Here's what I will tell you. This is just plain and simple. As a coach, I know myself, a lot of times I watch these these professional coaches. And they they find themselves in a hole and they get themselves in trouble because what they do is something I like to call overmanage. Okay, and that's exactly what happened here. What did the Cowboys do with 18 seconds left on the previous play? You want to know what the Cowboys did with 18 seconds left on the previous play? They threw a nine yard pass to Dalton Schultz, who got out of bounds. Okay, and guess how much time came off the the clock? Four seconds. That's it. Four seconds came off the clock. That is it. Why in God's name did the Cowboys not just run that play again or a similar play just like it? That's all they had to do. Running Because if they ran another nine-yard play, that would have put them, okay, that would have put them with about 10 seconds left and two shots to get to the end zone from about, I don't know what the 35 or so, the 30-yard line, whatever it was. Two plays from the t- with 10 seconds left if they ran a play similar to the one that they ran the previous play. Two plays. Well, last time I checked, if Dak ran that QB draw like they wanted to and uh, enough, you know, essentially got it and they were able to spike the ball and they were successful and had like one second left on the clock, they would get one final play to throw the ball to the end zone. I'm no math genius. I was not very good in math whatsoever in high school or college for that matter. But guess what? Last time I checked, two is still better than one. Two is greater than one. Uh, two chances versus one. I think I'll take the two chances to throw the ball. And they're calling it, it Hail Mary. No, not a Hail Mary. It would have been at like the 30, 35-yard line. They score touchdowns from that spot all day long, anytime. And two chances to throw a ball to the end zone and get a pass interference call as well, which would have put the ball at the one-yard line. So just absolute asinine behavior by the Cowboys inexcusable. And it falls on the head coach. And I'm sorry if I'm Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, you're gone. You're gone. The game plan was terrible. Dak looked bad. First of all, yeah, this this whole game was just weird and, and terrible. You had the sun coming through. I mean, this is Jerry World. It's supposed to be the best building in America to play sports, right? And, and, and you got this sun shining in, and Cedric Wilson couldn't catch balls, and Dak is throwing interceptions, and, and then you've got the punter for the Cowboys who punted the ball off the Jumbotron. I know Jerry wants to make a big splash with this ginormous Jumbotron, but that's the first time I've seen it, excuse me, where a punt actually hit the Jumbotron. By rule, that was a do-over. Well, yeah, the Cowboys wish they could get a do-over for the entire game. And what was more bizarre is the Cowboys, they were down 23-7, to and they started to make a comeback in the fourth quarter. And at the start of the fourth quarter, one minute into the fourth quarter, they have a fourth down. It's an obvious situation where you're thinking about going for it. Well, they bring out the punt unit, and they run a beautiful fake punt to the Cowboys, a beautiful one. Take a listen. Beautiful punt, a fake punt, right? perfect throw everything 49ers claim they were they were expecting it or ready for it and it was just one guy that made a mistake well guess what the cowboys shot themselves in the foot because the ball would have been at the 36 okay um with that fake punt the cowboys tried to be cute and, and trick the 49ers they left the punting unit out on the field it gets better with the trickery and CJ Go- and the Cowboys hurry to the line, and that's what we said last time. I was like, they're not actually punting yet, Jim. When I told you that, I'm like, missing and Fossil, and he sends a special teams unit out. That just means are oh, they going to fake it again? Yeah, look at this. They keep the unit out there. They got Goodwin lined up as a receiver. The trying receivers. to get you to take a timeout. I've seen this. They're trying to get the defense just to steal a timeout. Anger in the slot. There you go. So now they're going to send it out. So what happens is, oh, you get a scramble. I'm Kyle Shanahan. I got all my guys out here, let's say a puck team and a bunch of people, and they keep that out there. It's like, we have got to take a timeout. They're really going to want to play. He wisely doesn't. Boy, you go into a game when John Fossil the special teams coordinator on the other side. You know that fake is always a possibility. That's the fourth time this year. They pull it off to get the new life, and now there's a whistle. Delay of game. They tried to get cute. They brought, they then sprinted the punting unit off, brought the offense back out. They should have had a play ready. Dak got into the shotgun with seven seconds left. Um, And of course, of course the Cowboys get a delay of game penalty before they could get the snap off. Back them up five yards. And guess what? Three plays later, they punt. Waste of a fake punt. When you do a fake punt like that or or execute a fake punt, you have got and I mean you have got to score points off of that, especially when you're losing by two scores and, you know, a two-point conversion, two touchdowns and a two-point conversion. Just it, it it it's ridiculous. And and back to Mike McCarthy, this this whole thing is on him as the head coach, obviously, right? But here's the deal with Mike McCarthy. Um, I'm actually surprised Jerry Jones. Um, he he does stay loyal to a fault to his coaches. Um, but he's he has he has voiced his pleasure with McCarthy, claims he's going to be back. Mike McCarthy would have been gone. Gone. As soon as this game ended, Mike McCarthy, well, maybe the next day. You want to sleep on it. You're emotional. Mike McCarthy would have been gone. The Cowboys have themselves a Mike McCarthy problem. I was so scared when the Jets were looking for a coach that they were going to hire Mike McCarthy. I really was. I was very scared. Um, he won a Super Bowl with the Packers in what, 2011, I think, right? But guess what? He had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback for 12 years. If I had Rodgers for 12 years, I could definitely win one Super Bowl and maybe even two or three. So it's just he's not a good coach. He's not the guy. He's yeah, he's an old school, you know, gr- a gritty guy. Grew up in the great state of Pennsylvania, where they churn football, right? Where, where like Pennsylvania is like Texas. They just breed football. Like Friday nights, they shut down town, small towns, and it's everybody's at at the local high school. Friday night lights, right? That's the type of guy McCarthy is. But the game seemingly is passing him by. Uh, he's bad with his time management. Uh, he's just, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have it, man. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not buying it. I'm sure the Dallas fans are not buying it. I would love to have been in Dallas and listened to sports talk radio there and see what they have to say. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with Dallas. This was it. That's how I feel. This was their year. Dak played great football all year. They, they did what they had to do. They got the three seed. That's a huge accomplishment, right? I think they went undefeated in the division. They really had a a good year. It's only going to go downhill from here, right? Why? I'll tell you exactly why. You see this all the time. Defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, former uh, head coach with the Falcons, took the Falcons to a Super Bowl. He is in line to get a head coaching job, possibly Denver. Offensive coordinator and former Cowboy quarterback Kellen Moore is a really hot commodity right now as a head coaching candidate. Both of those guys are likely gone next year. And then you're bringing in two new coordinators. Dan Quinn, to me, would be my coordinator of the year. More than likely, he's the best coordinator in the entire NFL this year, for what he did with that Cowboy defense, I'm not even joking. That Cowboy defense was unbelievable. You could argue Steve Spagnola with the way he turned around that that uh Kansas City Chiefs defense, and maybe some you know offense coordinators and whatnot out there. But my goodness, what Dan Quinn did with that defense, he's getting a head job. If I had to guess, it would be Denver. But I, I if not, I believe he will get one of the opening jobs. And Kellen Moore, maybe not. He's still a little young. He might not get one this round, um, but for Cowboys' sake, I hope that he doesn't. Because if he comes back, uh, they could use him. But we see this all the time. You, 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 you forget how important those coordinators are, and losing them really, really takes a toll on this team. So I don't think they're going to have as good a year next year, and, and that's that's scary. So um, if they're both gone, forget it. And here's a quick here's a quick note. Since the Cowboys last won uh the uh last won the Super Bowl, twenty two teams have more playoff wins than the Cowboys, including, are you ready for this? The Jets and Jaguars. Oh my God. And Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. He has the same number of playoff wins as the Cowboys since 1996. We move on. The other two games on Sunday didn't really live up to much. Uh, The Bucs really beat up on the Eagles. That spread was 8.5, so I was starting to get a little nervous towards the end, but they still won by 16. I was waiting for that possible backdoor cover where where they get it to 8, and I lose by a half point, but that did not happen. Uh, Jalen Hurts Really uh, showed his weaknesses. He's still a young quarterback, threw a couple of late balls, got picked off, just trying to do too much. Uh, so that one, 31-15, Brady gets it done. And of course, the Chiefs routing the Steelers 42-21 to in what was likely Big Ben's final game. Like I said, I had the Chiefs minus nine and a half in that one. The original spread was 12 and a half. Anybody out there see that poor guy that lost $300 because he bet the St- he bet 150 on the Steelers at plus 20 and a half. When the Steelers were getting smoked, he decided, I'm going to bet 150 on the Chiefs minus 21 and a half. The Chiefs won by exactly 21. He was out $300 because he missed either bet by half a point. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is sports betting in a nutshell. All right, let's back it up. Let's revert back and talk about Saturday. I wanted to start with that Cowboys game, so let's let's reverse it and and talk that Bengals and Raiders game. Now this was a wild ending. This was the most exciting way to start the the, the wild card playoff uh, weekend. The Bengals finally—they can exhale. They can get that, take that weight off of their chest. Zach Taylor is pr- was probably doing a dance and singing in the shower after this game because it's just a huge relief off off of his shoulders and off of the city of Cincinnati. They get their first playoff win since 1991. That deserves some um, applause. So congratulations to uh, Zach Taylor, City of Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, uh, T Higgins, all of those guys, Sam Hubbard, all those Bengals fans, those in the trenches guys, the guys that have been there for years that could never win a playoff game. Okay, so congrats to them. But this one did come down to the wire spread in. This one was six. Uh, The Bengals were up by seven. The Raiders were driving and they were looking pretty good. And then it came down to one final fourth and goal play. Season on the line, Derek Carr playing in his first playoff game, everything he's overcome in his career and that the Raiders have overcome this season. And this is what Derek Carr does on the final play. The season comes down to this. It is Carr end zone. First time in 31 years, Cincinnati, your Bengals, have what a playoff game. Okay, fourth and goal. Mike Tirico said he threw it to the end zone, but guess what? He did not throw it to the end zone. I've never actually played football, you know, uh, organized football in my life, and I've never coached football. I've only ever played football in Madden, okay? You know, I've played with my friends and stuff, but that doesn't count. Um... Even I, even I know, and I'm sure even my sister, who doesn't know a lick about football realistically, uh, she, well, she knows more than probably most, but you get my point. My mother probably knows this, that on fourth, and, fourth down, or f- especially fourth and goal, guess what? That means the ball has to go in the end zone or you turn the ball over on downs. Guess what? There was only 12 seconds left by the time that play was over. The ball has to go to the end zone. You have no timeouts. It's fourth and goal. And Derek Carr throws the ball short of the end zone. This is a veteran quarterback. Sure. Someone made a point. uh, You want to blame the receiver because he didn't run into the end zone. Okay, but no, this is on your quarterback. Do not. Do not by under any circumstances throw the ball short of the end zone unless it's a guy streaking on a crossing route or some sort of slant where you he's wide open and he's going to catch and then get up field into the end zone. To make matters worse, I was torn because I had the the Bengals minus 6, right? And I'm thinking it's a 16 parlay. This is only the first leg. Worst case I'm out 10 bucks if this doesn't hit, but guess what? I had bet the over. I'm at my sister's new apartment. We're, we're building stuff, getting things ready. The game's about to start. I had previously lost some money in the day. I'm like, let's make this back. Let's bet the over. Because I thought the over in this game was going to be the biggest short thing of the weekend. Um, and it it turned out it was really cold. But they... it. it the Bengals screwed me. Let's be plain and simple. The Bengals screwed me because they scored what? Like six points in the second half. They were steamrolling with, with the with the points in the second in the first half, excuse me, and it was looking good. You know, I'm catching it on my phone here, there. I'm just checking in on the game. And it, it turns out the second half, you know how many points they scored in that second half? They scored a total of six points. Points the Bengals in the second half. Six points. That's how many there there was 12 points scored in the second half. 12 points. If the Raiders would have gotten in the end zone, I would have hit the over. I had I had it at 48 and a half. Would have hit the over Over overtime. We would have gotten overtime. And if the Bengals would have walked it off, they would have won by exactly six. So I could have gotten a push in that sense. And and then I, you know, who knows? I I I hit the over there, and then maybe I would have hit everything else in my parlay and and whatnot, whatever. But at that point, I was just like, please get me the over. And it didn't happen. Um, So I got screwed, and I still ended up losing that, that bar stool you know, 16 parlay would have been good for my other one where I had it at minus two and a half because overtime they would have, they could have won by two and a half with a field goal or a touchdown. So it, it it was just one of those tough breaks. Um, So I was glad I hit that, that other alternate spread parlay because I really, I, I did need that one big time. But so, so that turned out to be the most, the most exciting, like close game at the very end. It came down to the final play there. All right, then of course we had the bull, uh the Bills bulldozing the Patriots. We don't really even need to talk much about this game. 47 to 17, the final. Something we can all get behind. Bye-bye Patriots dynasty. Boy oh boy. They were up, they were down, they were mostly up. The Patriots thought that they might be a legit contender and then wowzers. The Bills destroyed them, and the Bills-Chiefs game is going to be lit. I am stoked for this game. Uh, But, yeah, not much to talk about there. Then, of course, we had the lone Monday night game, Rams-Cardinals, and Rams were minus four. I I needed them at two and a half here. I thought I was going to be sweating this one because first one and last one are always the toughest, especially that last one. Always the toughest. But, no. It was over in a matter of... Midway through the second quarter, game over. Here's how it starts. A couple punts back and forth. Then the Rams get it going. OBJ scores the first touchdown of the game on a pass from Stafford. Then... After they had it at like the one, they go first down, second down. They can't get in. Stafford with a couple quarterback sneaks, and then finally he sneaks it in there. He does not know how to run a quarterback sneak. This isn't the Lions' days where he faked the spike on the final seconds of the game and then he dove over the you know over the pile to you know and reached it in. You got to get low. You got to go Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo style. You got to get that get really low. And I always said this about a quarterback sneak when everybody knows it's coming. The whole both lines just basically dive as low as they can at each other and just bodies go low. If you were to fake that quarterback sneak, pull that pull that ball back, you could probably just spin and run around the entire pile that everybody's on. I swear I always was was hoping somebody would do that. And sometimes that happens where like everybody's in the pile low and then you kind of running backs will bounce out and get to the outside. I love when that happens because people don't do it enough or even think to do it enough. So uh, that put up, put the Rams up 14 to nothing when poor Kyler Murray, still young, still learning, did this. Probably the worst play of his career by far. Rams pressure is picked up. Kyler! Did he get? Touchdown. You just have to know the situation in the game. Troy Reader's going to come out of pressure. Edmonds is going to try to block him. You can't hold the ball if you're Kyler Murray. You're standing in your own end zone. You can't pump it like that. And then you absolutely can't do that. Damn, you... That effectively ended the game. That put the Rams up 21 to nothing. Quick nugget on that. The shortest interception returned for a touchdown in NFL playoff history, three-yard interception return. You have to take the safety there. It's a young guy trying to do too much, trying to avoid giving up any points. And instead of giving up the two, which would have made it 16 nothing and still manageable, that made it 21 nothing. They would go into the half with that score. And coming out of the half, the Rams received the kick, the second half kickoff. Just it was bad all around for for Arizona. And OBJ did this right out of the half. They didn't waste oh, any stop, time. Stop talking about that, here's Odell Beckham Jr. He wants to throw it. Got a man down the sideline. It's Cam Akers. And the Rams aren't done yet with some razzle dazzle Hollywood style. Gate of forty. OBJ to the longest play of the night. Well, here's Akers in the backfield. And he's just going to release after this ball. Got to make sure that's thrown backwards. That's the last play. But that ball has to be thrown backwards. So great play call. They throw the screen backwards to OBJ, and then he throws it to a streaking Cam Akers down the sideline. And can I tell you, Cam Akers looked absolutely phenomenal in this game. He was a difference maker. What a marvelous story. This man tore his achilles like six months ago and he was back out there on the football field for the playoffs just when the rams needed him uh to give them that boost at running back they're a dangerous dangerous team and um i'm still thinking about who i'm picking for that game but uh matthew stafford and the rams they would go on to win this game 34 to 11 they scored just a mere two plays later after that 40 yard bomb by obj to uh, uh Stafford to cup for the touchdown. They win the game 34 to 11. Stafford securing his first finally his first uh playoff win in his career. He had previously been 0 for 3 with the Lions in 12 seasons. His he had a career 323 passing touchdowns, the most by any quarterback without a playoff win. All right, let's stick with football. The Raiders fired Mike Mayock on Monday, so they didn't waste much time after getting bounced from the playoffs. Listen, I thought it was a little surprising at first just because of the job that they have done to be able to make the playoffs with interim interim head coach after the firing of Gruden and just player after player getting busted with the law. But the more I thought about it, I, I started to realize Mayock was Gruden's guy. He really... Didn't contribute too much. John Gruden really had full autonomy um, w- with personnel decisions and all of that stuff with the draft. So he was just a de facto general manager, but he really didn't do too much. He They brought in Antonio Brown a couple years ago. That turned out to be a disaster. Remember that with hard knocks and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, Mike Mayock fired. All right. Um, we're going to switch things up. I want to talk about uh, the best tennis player, male tennis player in the world, that, of course, being Novak Djokovic, um, who is now in danger of missing the French Open in May. If you don't uh, already know, he's been ousted from Australia. They may possibly ban him for three years from a tournament and a country in which he has won nine times. They're just depriving us of the best tennis player on the planet. I don't know how that helps anybody. But French Parliament now has passed a law requiring vaccination for anyone attending stadiums, theaters or lounges. And the French sports ministry confirmed Monday that no exemptions will be made. Let me ask you you, you, this. I'm going to pose. It's like a hypothetical. What does it matter that Djokovic is unvaccinated? OK, last year, And in 2020, when we had sports, these players were just getting tested because there wasn't a vaccine. Now, all of a sudden, there's a vaccine that theoretically does not work because everybody that I hear about that is getting COVID is vaccinated. Okay, these breakthrough cases in sports, um, it's happening all the time. Novak Djokovic is in peak physical shape and peak physical, Fit, you know fitness level he is probably in the top 1% in the world in terms of fitness his body is a temple it has to be for tennis could you run around a tennis court you know stop you know, st- sprinting from side to side and st- try to stop and go back, the amount of pain that puts your feet through, your calves, your hamstrings, your quads, your glutes, everything, and do that for four and a half, five hours, sometimes longer with minimal breaks in between. You couldn't do that. I probably couldn't do that. And this man does it for a living. Tell me how it makes any sense for that man to put a vaccine in his body that does have adverse effects. I'm not making this up. It might be a small percentage. It might not be. Okay, I've heard stories left, right, and center of people getting myocarditis, which is an enlarged heart after getting their second or their booster shot. I'm hearing of children that are getting myocarditis, whatever, it might be you know minimal or you say, well, it's not that many people or it's one in a thousand, whatever the case may be. If Novak Djokovic were to get myocarditis for taking a vaccine, his career could be over. Now, let's say he gets COVID because he's in peak physical shape, because he's not he has zero comorbidities, because he's not 350 pounds and eats cheeseburgers every day at lunch. He's going to be fine. He's not going to die of COVID, I can guarantee you. That I'm not a doctor. I'm not a professional, a me- medical professional, but I can almost guarantee that. Oh, yeah. Wait, that's right. I can guarantee it because Novak Djokovic did, in fact, have COVID. He already had it, I think, in December. I thought he had it way before. Um. But I read earlier today, early in December, he had COVID, which means he has natural immunity. And whether he had symptoms or not, he's clearly fine enough that he can play tennis and trying to get into the tournament. And he he was given an initial exemption in Australia because he had just had COVID. And they know the science tells you that you have immunity. It's just so asinine to me that these players are not able to play now when COVID isn't as bad versus a year or two ago when there was no vaccine and they were just getting tested and everybody was getting COVID. It's so ass backwards. And that's why these governments, it is such a scam, in my opinion. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm not on one side or the other for or against the vaccine. But it's just it seems to me that it is so freaking sketchy that they don't want to give treatments for covid and they just want to push you to get the vaccine when nobody wants to talk about the comorbidities. People are dying from comorbidities. I have family that work in hospitals and they are telling me this is not fake news. It is fact that these hospitals get certain reimbursements for marking on death certificates when someone dies of covid okay so it's there and then you have the you know you have people that are getting you know family members if your family member dies of covid you get a huge kickback as well uh so i'm telling you this it, This makes no sense. Somebody like Novak Djokovic should not have to get vaccinated to play. And if you want to talk about him spreading it to somebody else, well, guess what? That's why you can get vaccinated and you can wear your mask if you're around him, because if those things work, then theoretically you shouldn't get COVID. But guess what? They don't work. And it's been proven that they don't work. So take that for what it's worth. If you think it works and it's your mind playing tricks on you to say you feel safe by wearing the mask and whatnot, fine. That's that's totally cool Uh, that I'm all for that. I'm all for wearing the masks and whatnot, not outside, absolutely not outside. And when you're in a you're in a building and it's 100 degrees, I'm sorry, but elderly people and, and certain children in, you know, in schools, in these hot, hot classrooms, it's just it's really unhealthy for a lot of people. And I really hope we don't find out, you know, from studies or research 10, 20, 40, 50 years from now that these masking up all the time had adverse effects on our health as well. I really hope so. So anyway, that's my little rant. I just think it's so uh, nonsensical. And I talked about it last week that somebody like Djokovic should not need a vaccine when he played before a vaccine was even out in the midst of the worst pandemic in our lifetimes when COVID was literally killing people. Not like it is now where like 10 people have died from Omicron. So it's just so the government, man, the CDC, the NIH, all of them, the, the WHO, the uh, they're all in cahoots and none of it makes sense. It's all about making money and and, and it's a real shame because they, they need to put our health first. That's what they need to do and they're not doing that. Okay, let's get to the NBA. I want to talk some NBA news, some, some tough times hitting my Brooklyn Nets and this was always the concern when you added this big three of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and James Harden. If you didn't see on Saturday night, the Nets were playing the Pelicans. One of the players on the Pelicans was driving hard to the basket, like kind of out of control. He pushed Bruce Brown like backwards because Bruce Brown was like trying to practically backpedaling, trying to defend him. And Bruce Brown kind of fell back into Kevin Durant's leg, which hyperextended his knee. It is a sprained MCL for Kevin Durant who will now miss four to six weeks. They're going to be cautious here. I wouldn't expect him back um, on the early end of that time frame, probably closer to six weeks. It's definitely the end of KD's MVP chances. It's a big blow to the Nets who are already slipping in that Eastern Conference. They they had the top spot, they lost it to the Bulls, now they lost the second slot to the Miami Heat. So they're they're barely in third in the East right now. Uh, but they're on a, you know, back end of a road nice road trip so they get, they've got Kyrie Irving to to fill that void a little bit. Um they had a gritty win against the Wizards the other night, 119 to 118. They just got LA back, LaMarcus Aldridge who put up big numbers in that game with 20 20- 7 points and they should I'm hoping they can get they can get Claxton back soon and I'm really hoping that Joe Harris can come back um in the next couple of weeks. I know they said he's still further away. He hasn't started practicing really yet, but they really need to get Joe Harris back cuz he's a a decent defender. All right, Draymond Green Will also miss the next two weeks with calf and back tightness. I remember, I spoke last time about how he wanted to be there for Klay Thompson's, um, you know, debut. And he started the game and then immediately fouled and came out. He has not played since. And so they're going to be careful with him and just rest him for the next couple of weeks as well. And they're in the midst of a big slide, just five and six this month. They had a brutal loss last night. That was, um, I think Steve Kerr's uh, biggest, you know, worst loss as head coach or one of his top two or three losses as uh, head coach of the Warriors. They were 16 and a half point favorites and they lost in overtime to the Indiana Pacers that were without like their four best players. It was just one of the worst losses in NBA this season. So just five and six on the uh, uh, this month, but they are in second place just behind the Suns who have the best record in the NBA. Little college hoops ah for you. Florida State beat Duke number six. Duke, 79-76 in overtime on Tuesday. That was the thirteenth straight overtime win for Florida State, a division one record. And Leonard Hamilton had his 55th win. Very underrated, Leonard Hamilton. 55th win against AP top 25 teams when unranked. That is the most by any coach during the AP poll era, which began in the 1948-49 season. He passed Bobby Knight, who had 54. That's elite company right there. And then one more crazy stat. I just told my dad this at the dinner table. Tom Brady is now older than all remaining opposing coaches in the NFC. He is 44 years old, quarterbacking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that he will play. The Los Angeles, uh, the, yeah, the Los Angeles Rams head coach Sean McVay, just 35 years old. He's nine years older than Sean McVay. He. He is two years older than Kyle Shanahan, head coach of the 49ers, and two years older than Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers. And the final thing with those three, McVay, Shanahan, and LaFleur, they were both on the Washington Redskins staff, what was it, back in 2013, um, right before Jay Gruden um, got the job with Washington. um, Right. They were on. Yeah, I think it was 2013 when they were on uh, Kyle Shanahan's father, Mike Shanahan's um, coaching staff. They were all three young guys. And now they're all three head coaches in the NFL and Man, Washington, looking back, probably wishing they would have hired one of those three guys as their head coach instead of Jay Gruden. Not that Jay Gruden did a bad job by any stretch, but these three guys are like legitimate head coaches. And Jay Gruden, um, I don't even know that he's coaching in the NFL right now. All right, starting February 5th, this is some good news for the NHL. They will no longer test asymptomatic players for COVID. They have had many, probably the most, the biggest, the the sport that's been hit the hardest throughout the season so far. They've had many cancellations. The Islanders have had issues, just issues all over the place. So if you're asymptomatic, they will not test. They're going to try to, you know, push things along and get through um, this season. Wednesday night was definitely the biggest night of the NBA season and probably the one single, the biggest single night, the single biggest night in NBA in a long time. And why do I say that? And I I missed most of it because I was at the Rutgers game, but the Sixers beat the Magic 123 to 110. In the process, Joel Embiid scored 50 points in just 27 minutes and three seconds of game action. That is the fewest minutes played in a 50.10 rebound game in the shot clock era. That is since 1954-1955 season. Then you had the Nuggets beating the Clippers in overtime, 130-128. to The reigning MVP uh, in in Nikola Jokic tried to one-up Joel Embiid with a 49-point triple-double. 49-point triple-double. Jokic is now quietly averaging 25.3 points, 13.9 rebounds, and 7.4 assists a game for the 23 and 20 Nuggets. I haven't heard his name really mentioned much all year in terms uh, of MVP. Uh, You know, he could win this again, the numbers he's putting up. He has now recorded a triple-double and 55% shooting in three straight, games. Oh my God. The only other player with a longer streak in NBA history, the great Wilt Chamberlain who had a six-game run in 1968. On Wednesday alone, this is what we saw in the NBA. 26 25-point games tied for the most on any day in NBA history. 15 30-point games tied for the most on any day in NBA history. And 8 30-point double-doubles tied for the most on any day in NBA history. We're now just 25 days from the start of spring training and 70 from opening day, but with the lockout ongoing, those dates feel mundane at best. There is really no end in sight. Neither side is close to terms. Rob Manfred, one of the worst commissioners that baseball has ever seen is looking worse and worse with each passing day. I have no hope that this will end anytime soon and it's up to Rob Manfred to figure it out and bring these sides together. So baseball is waning and it is holding on by a thread right now. I'm just praying that something gets figured out um, that somebody has their come to Jesus moment and and we get baseball when we should. Well, I'm beating a dead a dead horse here, but it's another day some more transfer portal news. Georgia quarterback JT Daniels transferring yet again. He originally transferred in from USC thinking it was going to be a breeze. He would steal the starting job from a uh, junior college transfer and 5 foot 9 quarterback Stetson Bennett. That lasted all of about two games until Stetson Bennett went on to win a national championship and decided, yeah, I'm going to come back to Georgia for another season. Well, JT Daniels said, shit, now I've got to transfer. And also transferring will be Jermaine Burton, wide receiver Jermaine Burton joining Daniels in the portal. Word on the street, Lane Kiffin, not wasting any time, flew into Athens to discuss a package deal with both players, trying to lure them to all uh, Miss. All right. I see you, Lane. And this is what it's turned into. I'm. This is absolutely what it has turned into with this transfer portal. It's just shenanigans left, right, and center. Now it's out in the open and not behind closed doors with shady phone calls and handshake deals. Um, Rutgers as well is dealing with with transfer portal issues. They have 30 offensive linemen currently, and their starting left tackle, who also caught two touchdowns over the last couple of years, decided, I'm out of here because there's 30 offensive linemen. It's just insane. Uh, Speaking of Rutgers, I was at their basketball game that if you want to call it a basketball game, they played Iowa the other night and uh, decided to leave at halftime when the score was a whopping 24 to 21 in favor of Iowa. It was a defensive clinic, but it was also an offensive nightmare. If you like offense, this was not the game for you. Go watch a soccer match. There'd be more scoring than what we saw in this game. Um, But this had intrigue. Keegan Murray came into this game for Iowa as the leading scorer in the country, averaging just over 23, 24 points. Rutgers held him to just 13 points. He had nine in the first half, just four in the second half. He did have a double-double, but all for nothing. Rutgers did play a tough, tough, gritty, hard-nosed defensive contest. Um, They held a team that came in averaging 86 a game, the best offensive uh, team in the Big Ten, which is saying a lot. And held them to just 46 points on 28% shooting, their best defensive uh, game in Big Ten history. Iowa also went over 9.5 minutes from the 13.40 mark on without a field goal going 0 for 10. The only problem with that was Rutgers went 1 for 14 in that same stretch. The game was so bad that it actually turned out to be good. The Like I said, the halftime score was—it was a three-point game, and it came down to the very last play. Rutgers, in a tie game, they were holding for one final possession when the ref called one of the most bizarre ticky-tack fouls on Keegan uh, Murray that I have ever seen. It was such a bad call. There was barely any contact. And Ron Harper Jr., double bonus, goes to the line, knocks down both free throws— Iowa has to go full court with like 1.5 seconds left. They got a clean look, but uh, came up with an air ball, not even close. And Rutgers wins 48-46 to move to 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. That is like fourth or fifth right now in the Big Ten behind nothing but just ranked teams. They get a favorable schedule. Minnesota, who had their Penn State game canceled on Wednesday because of COVID issues, will now play Rutgers tomorrow. Let's see if If they can't get all their players back, this should be a a favorable game for Rutgers. They get Northwestern and then um, another easy, easy team as well that towards the bottom of the Big Ten. Oh, Maryland again as well. So uh, it, it should be, hey, Rutgers can make moves here. This is the time they have to do it to to pad that resume and get into the tournament for the second year in a row after a 29 year drought. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for Rutgers basketball, uh, after a slow start, they're now 11 and six. All right, let's, let's get back to football. Uh, you've got the Bengals at Titans tomorrow at four 30 on CBS. This is probably the hardest game to bet on. I really don't know what to do. It's not the hardest game. Um, but I just don't know what to make of either of these teams. It's so tough. The Bengals didn't look great last week, but they got that monkey off their back by just getting that first playoff win in 30 years. So does that reinvigorate them? Do we get the Bengals that scored 40 in back-to-back games to end the season or do we get the Bengals that we saw against the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs? That's what concerns me. Uh, The Bengals here are three and a half point dogs. It was just announced today, though, that Derrick Henry will play in this game after missing the last half of the season with a foot injury. Even if Derrick Henry isn't 100%, which I doubt he would be. This is great news for the Titans. And that is why I am taking the Titans at minus three and excuse me, minus three and a half. I'm hoping the betting public jumps on the Bengals and this line comes down a little bit to three or two and a half would be great. Just because when it's that hook, you tend to want to or I tend to say you should probably take the dog with that hook. Um, But I don't trust the Bengals. I just don't. They're a year or two away. I mean, Joe Burrow was the third most sacked quarterback. I think he was sacked 55 times this year. We saw what happened his rookie season when he nearly had his leg torn off and missed the entire season after week two. Um, So... The Titans are a dangerous team now that they've got Henry back. They can make some noise. I don't trust Tannehill particularly against a team like the Chiefs or the Bills at all, but I think it'll be enough. I think they could get this one done and win this one by 10. So I'm taking uh, the home team here, Titans, to, to cover the three and a half. All right. Now, the second game we have to keep in mind um, would be Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers, hosting the 49ers. Now, in the first round of the playoffs, the 49ers were the only road team, the only underdog to win. This is a tricky one. The, the, the spread on this is five and a half. That is a, tif, uh, a tough number, very difficult number to predict when it's at five and a half. And I could go either way, but I'm going to say that San, uh, San Francisco could be that wild card team, man, that makes it all the way. They really could be. Um, I'm really, really tempted to take 49ers, but I'm not going to do it. If they screw me again this week, then they screw me again this week, but I'm going to lean green Bay on this one. And, uh, at five and a half, I think uh, I, I will say this, I, I'm taking green Bay to win the game. They may not cover cause five and a half is just a weird number, but they, I i w- I I'm confident that green Bay wins this game. So take that for what it's worth. Also doesn't help that Rodgers is 0-3 in the playoffs against the 49ers, but this is not the same 49er team that he's lost to in the past. And Jimmy G is dealing with, you know, a thumb injury. It's going to be cold weather. Uh, Nick Bosa was a full participant, though, after he missed last week's game midway through after he got hurt early on with a concussion. So he'll be back. So, you know, this is is fairly even, but I'll take Rodgers. And let's face it, we want a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game, or at least I do. I want to see, I want to see Brady versus Rodgers yet again. Now, this brings us to Sunday's 3 p.m. matchup between the Bucs and the Rams. This is probably the one of two the, there's two games. Both these games on Sunday are gonna be absolutely amazing. Um, and they could go either way. But We have the Bucs sitting at two and a half point favorites. I'm a little surprised. I know they're the home team. I know they're the reigning Super Bowl champ, but I feel like the Rams should be favored in this game after what they did to the Cardinals. They both had, they're both pretty even. They had blowout victories against their teams in the wild card round. But the Rams did beat the Bucs earlier in the season 34-24. That was week three. Both these teams are drastically different now for sure. So kind of throw that out the window. The Rams got Cam Akers back. Okay. He looked great. The Bucks are getting Leonard Fournette back, not Ronald Jones, but that's okay because they got um Gio Bernard back last week who looked really good. So this is a tough, tough one to pick. I'm gonna go with the experience. I'm gonna go with Tom Brady, because I'm not betting against him. I know better than to do that. The the spread is sketchy, much like this Georgia Bama game where I went with the with the underdog in Bama. I'm going with the favorites here in in Tom Brady, and you know this one it's tough. I don't know if for sure I'm going to bet this game. I want to take Brady, but this is probably the toughest game to call. This it really is. Uh, I'm leaning Brady and the Bucks, but I'm not going to be shocked if the Rams win this. The Rams can easily win the Super Bowl. That's how good they are. All right, and the final game of the weekend, none other than Chiefs Bills, a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. The Bills smoked the uh, Chiefs earlier in the season, and again, that was before the, this defense for the Chiefs turned it completely around. So wipe that one away. That doesn't excuse me really count uh the chiefs this line keeps coming down chiefs 2 point favorites at home i'm super torn on this game um my heart says the bills my head my conscience is saying the chiefs are going back to the super bowl so um we'll see what happens i, I really I want to see the Bills win. I really do. I I might bet the Chiefs and just kind of, you know, root for the root for the Bills to win, which is kind of weird thing to do. But I really I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. You guys know that Um, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for him. Ryan Dayball likely to be the new uh, New York Giants head coach as their assistant GM Shane, whoever the hell uh, just got the GM gig with the Giants. So it's looking like uh, Dayball will will be headed to New York when all is said and done. Um, not a fan of him. He's just bounced around a hundred times to a hundred different teams. He's a recycled coordinator. Um, I, 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 good luck Giants if that's who you do get. Um, but like I said, this last week was the weekend to make the money. This weekend, good luck if you make some money off these games. Kudos to you. You know what you're doing. I will be up to the last minute trying to figure stuff out. I think the only surefire bet, and I, you know, I bit myself last week by saying this: take the over in the Bucks Rams game, and take the over in this final game, Chiefs and Bills. Now, keep in mind, double check the weather because I never friggin' check the weather. And it, when it's super cold out, some sometimes, you know, if it's snowing in Kansas City or something, just keep an eye out for that. All right, uh, that's all I've got to say. Those are my picks. They're not super. I'm not super confident in any of them, really. Um, except I do feel pretty good about the Titans, but uh, and the Packers. But really, that's about it. All right. In other news, Kevin Ollie former UConn head coach, won his case against the team, his lawsuit against the school, the University of Connecticut. Yesterday, a court arbitrator ruled that UConn improperly fired him as head basketball coach. The school must now, this is insane, the school must now pay Kevin Ollie just over 11, it's like 11.4 million or something like that, within the next 10 business days. So that's going to be a friggin' big check. And then we had another college uh, basketball coach, former NBA legend himself, Penny Hardaway. If you don't know much about what he's been doing at Memphis this year, it's been a tough go of things. Got Emily Bates recently. They have a, t- a tough, young, gritty team and COVID issues and whatnot, right? His team is sitting at nine and eight. They fell to nine and eight with a seventy to sixty two loss last night, and Penny Hardaway went after the media. This is a great one. Take a listen. I think the one thing I can say to this media because this media gets kind of up sometimes when it comes to me, we don't have our full roster. y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid f-ing questions about if I feel like I can do something. if I had my roster like they did then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, and 19 year olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24 year old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like don't do that. I worked hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these articles about me and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. Yeah. So uh, not having any of it. And uh, a lot of times these media personnel, they ask some dumb questions and it's because they they've either never played or or they just they're they're trying to get a rise and trying to get a good soundbite out of somebody. And they got it last night. So it's great entertainment for us. Uh, We'll see if Memphis can turn it around in this second half of the season, because we're now in the latter stages. uh, We're at the end of January. March is a month away, baby. We're about a month and a half away from from finding out who's in and who's out, and I'm all here for it. Also, last night, we had some Big Ten action. In Indiana, unranked Indiana, upset number four, Purdue, at home for their first win in the rivalry since 2016. The Big Ten is really starting to heat up. It's not a great conference this year, so don't be fooled, but uh, it, it it's all good news for for Rutgers right now if if they if these teams can continue to beat up on each other. All right, what to watch this weekend? Of course, we've got the playoffs. I just spoke about that in the NFL. You've also got UFC 270 tomorrow night and Ganu versus Gain. Take that for what it's worth. I don't really know anyone on this card besides them two, so we'll see if I'm even watching that with the football on. Um, and then finally. Our last segment on this date in sports. We take it back to January 21st. Exactly how many years ago was this? I thought I wrote this down. AFC championship game a number of years ago when the, I'll find it, when the Colts won 38-34 38 to 34 in the AFC championship game over Tom Brady and the Patriots that was uh Peyton Manning days New England led by 18 points but the Colts scored 32 second half points it remains the largest comeback win in a conference championship game in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl era so let me yeah here it is um two, that was 2007. was that that must have been the year the Colts Was that the year the Colts won the Super Bowl over the Bears? Maybe it was. Um, Either way, that's going to wrap this thing up, guys. Good luck for anyone betting these games. Um, I salute you if you if you hit on any of your, your, your bets. I've got some basketball bets in tonight. My fantasy team is killing it against the number one seed. I'm in third. I'm the reigning champ. Let's get this. This is going to be a big Friday night of basketball. Uh, Miami Heat game is on now. I bet a little bit on that. I've got the Nuggets later. Nets are on, trying to maybe live bet them. Feeling good about the weekend. Um, the week was a little shorter, like I said, but I'm still tired. I got an early morning of softball practice, so I'm going to let you guys go. This is the Pody signing out. Enjoy your sports weekend, everybody.